Hey guys, it's me, Harry. I'm back. Ah, uh, sorry. I was just thinking about my ex-girlfriend, Tina. She was awesome. Uh, she never said why she was leaving. She just got really angry at me for having sex with other women and then left. Terry from Balimba, who's just messaged in, he says that the first place he was looking forward to visiting as soon as Queensland became open for Queenslanders was Balimba. And uh, he was thrilled to remain in Balimba. And you know what, Terry, if I were you, I would be too, because I would quite literally be you and I would feel what you feel and think what you think. And so if I were you, I'd probably do exactly what you're doing, strictly speaking. Uh... As you know, this show is just a vehicle for me selling my 13 Steps to Financial Freedom DVDs. Um, I just got to tell you that last year, I was seven years old, unemployed, and couldn't get a girl. Now, thanks to F45 and my 13 Steps to Financial Freedom DVDs, I'm 26 years old, loaded, and talking to girls all the time on dating apps through an alias. Um, of a much more handsome guy than I found on Getty Images that I could actually afford um, to get the, the copyright for. So there is a bit of a Getty Images uh, watermark over that, but it doesn't seem to stop me from um, swiping right. And just because you pay for it doesn't mean it can't be love. Okay. Welcome to the Inala Dressage League. We have a cracking day's action of dressage today. Unfortunately, due to an RSPCA petition signed by every uni student in Newtown, horses are no longer allowed to be ridden on, but the dressage players have found a loophole and are now riding on poor people. There are two favourites here today. The first is Archibald Bochu, who speaks of having an innate relationship with the poor person that he rides on. In fact, some of his colleagues call him the poor person whisperer. The second is Angus de Fish Egg, who has the nickname Angry Angus from the time he blew up a taxi with a Molotov cocktail after losing a dressage match. He got off on self-defence because the taxi driver was found to have presumably gone to a public school. Angus has no perceivable skills, but is nonetheless the red-hot favourite because his mother is the judge and his father is the mayor. So the players are out on the pitch. They're trotting around, approaching the first bench. Oh, wait, is that a streaker? My word, that's a streaker. There, there appears to be something written on his left buttock. Yes, can we zoom in on that, please, cameraman? No, not, not that. His buttock. Yes, that is a message. It says, tune in to Talking Dressage on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM. What is that? Well, while players pause, we might as well have a listen. Hello! Hello, my lovelies. Lucy (laughs) McAfee, she's back. Whoa. Did she ever leave? No. Huh? I feel like the, well, the best part about, about being a rim, rhythmic gym, gymnast would mm. be that you could just very easily dispute having lost. If you do a great routine, you, you leave, you, you're clapping your hands, and then mm-hmm. your Russian coach still doesn't think you did very well, and he still slaps you <laughs> in, um, <laughs> in front of international television cameras. Um, and, and then you lose. You just go, oh, it's all subjective. How do they even know who wins yeah. this stuff? It's just dancing exactly. with a ribbon. Same with like ballroom dancing competitions. Because uh-huh. if you win, you go, yes, I'm the best. And if you lose, you go, oh, it's subjective. Let's go have a, let's go home and exactly. you know, celebrate you our hypothetical victory. Do you dance fever? Oh, you went to school in New South Wales, so I don't know. Yeah, we, do didn't, we don't dance fever? down there. We just, no. <laughs> we just, just show money. We, we just go up in clubs and we just go, hey, this is my black Amex. And <laughs> yeah. here, here are the keys to my boat. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but my no, dad my dad can dance. <laughs> yeah, right. There's no such thing as a white line show mm-hmm. business, all right? Uh-huh. No such thing as fake it till you make it. No. You make it I've and then you it. fake it. Yes. An injury. <laughs> of course. <laughs> 
Work, workplace Next. compensation. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I finally got the job. Ow! Ow! I slipped on a grape. I slipped on a grape. And then you get the workplace um, p- uh, compensation injury, the injury compensation payout. Surely after probation. Uh-huh. You make it and yeah. then you fake it. Yeah. <laughs> it's my two-step plan to financial yeah. freedom. <laughs> Never work another day. <laughs> Okay, okay. Um, I'm talking about the cat club. Yes, and I remember yes. thinking, oh, um, thank you, brother, for recounting the story. Um, mm. This is Chinese Whispers, so I- I'm not sure if he watched the show properly, but okay. then he told me about the show. And I was like, how can people get so caught up in the politics of such insignificant organisations, <laughs> like hobby organisations? <laughs> that one would want to murder someone. Mm. And then I started this book club and I fully appreciate <laughs> how people can end up in the yeah. bottom of the Brisbane River with concrete attached to their yeah, ankles. I wouldn't be surprised. Over, <laughs> over book club membership. I wouldn't be surprised. But it would be all you. But then it would be self-sabotaging and then, I don't know. If one person would concrete my ankles together and drop me in and then there'd be five yes. other people going, hey, what the hell? I wanted to do that. <laughs> Pretty much. So you single-handedly <laughs> started this book club yeah then once you had recruited the members kicked all of them out and then restarted a new selective book club which had one meeting yes and then disbanded this new book club yes and without telling anyone you have a you have a <laughs> you're speaking <laughs> in the right. third, you're speaking in the third person here but i feel like it'd be more appropriate if you spoke in the first because i do understand you were in that reincarnated <laughs> yeah. uh book club and oh, this is why i wanted to have my life to have you on the show tonight okay. because there's one thing that i need to say to you after all the terrible things that I did and and you know I feel awful about what I did and that's why I wanted to bring you on the show tonight yeah. so that I can say to you I can look you in the eye and I can say in front of everyone who's listening and I really mean this when I say it I am really getting into indoor plants <laughs> I just think they're so dandy yeah. and they're great to um, clearing Should up the carbon dioxide in the house <laughs> no I'm sorry Lucy um, you know what I actually read the book Oh, and what book did, did you have? Do you have to give it back? Was I got it. Oh, what, what was the book? <laughs> the book was Tropic of Cancer. <gasps> did you, you know, read it? No, I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I read it. No, and no, it I, got, I, I, did, I did get it, though. I didn't like it. Oh. You? Well, I, I presume I won't like it because we like yeah. the same things. We have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> I live vicariously through you. Yeah, so, okay. in fact even more vicariously than you do. So really? I'm more yeah, angry okay. about you <laughs> yeah. having read a bad book than you are. Well, you know what? It was your friend that really liked it. So let's, yes. should we take it up with him? Well, here we go. Incidentally, he lives in New York. So Would this you is believe we've got a virtual time radio here? <laughs> <laughs> should we call him? It is. It, th- that book is very relevant. I did, uh, Tropic of Cancer by... Who, who? Henry Miller. Henry Miller, okay. Um, so apparently one of his favourite books, he... he on the last day I saw Sean before he moved to New York, he gave me his copy. No. Yeah, but the trouble is, right before... Did he hand write in it a note to you? Absolutely. It said, he don't say? you... Don't you ever go live on radio and badmouth this yeah. book. God, he is As an absolute milksop, that kid. <laughs> if you rewatch the first Harry Potter film, you just look at him and go, oh my... You know what? I can really sympathise with Voldemort. I'd want to kill this little... <laughs> I'd want to kill this he's little turd cute. too. He's no, little, he's not cute. I'm like, not to now. evil. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's a bit cold at the moment. Mm. And, you know, you go to work, you're back at work, which is great. And have you noticed that the cold weather is the biggest conversation killer of all time? <laughs> you know, you get in the elevator with someone and they just look at you and you go, oh, no, I know what you're going to say. And, <laughs> and, and they're looking at you and they say... Bit chilly out there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and you go, yeah. oh yeah, thank God I'm wearing a jumper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, when people are just like two floors away on the elevator. Like it's like it's like you go from it's zero to nineteen, and, but you got to get to twenty-one. And so when you get to nineteen and they've said something, you can't say anything else because the conversation's got to wrap up. Mm-hmm. And so no matter what they've said. You just go, yeah. <laughs> 20. <laughs> 21. Ah, I catch you, mate. <laughs> you know, then what I just said, oh, yeah, I'm actually getting relentlessly workplace bullied. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Level 20. <laughs> Level 21. Anyway, dude, catch on the flip. <laughs> 
actually think because the, the, the answers are becoming so stock standard yes, with respect they? to, um, re, in, in regards <laughs> to, in relation with. Regarding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> regarding relations with um, <laughs> just comments made about how cold it is. Yeah. And I was actually thinking, why don't and we just. Cold and COVID. Oh, it's yeah, the COVID. It's a classic combo. We've already. We should get electrocuted every time we say the word, mm. but, and we'd be dead by now. Why don't we just summarise into just codes? Because mm. if, if, if you know what I'm going to say, like, you know, you get in the elevator and they go, oh, um, it's not warm out there, is it? You know, that should just be like statement B3. <laughs> and so you just... <laughs> That'd be great. No, you just, you, just, you just get in the elevator and then one person goes, B3. And you go, ah, <laughs> of yeah, course, yeah. yes. And, and then... Um, and especially, oh, it's not yeah. warm out there. We're, yeah. not, we're not poets in Australia, are we? We're no. not poets. What's the best we can come? Italians probably have some fancy saying in Spanish yeah. that we do. Uh-huh. And and we just go, it's not warm out there. <laughs> it's just like our culin- the Australian culinary gift to the world mm. was damper. True. A.K.A. it's bread that tastes like water. <laughs> I reckon if you lived on a diet purely... Mm. Um, in the, if you lived on a, a diet purely consisting of damper, mm. you would die of starvation. And your family members would go, no, 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 no. Do you mean malnutrition? You go, no, starvation. <laughs> damper <laughs> is technically just, just chewy water. water. It's it's also foul. Isn't it just they awful? They try and dress it up with toasting and like putting a little bit of honey on it, but it's just it's not going to work. So anyway, you get into the elevator and you say B3. Mm-hmm. And then you want to say in response something like, "Oh, yep, better in than out," and that would be, <laughs> and, <laughs> and that would be re- response, you know, E seven. Yeah. And so you just get an elevator. But why mo- is the response not coded? The response is coded. Okay. So response E seven would be R E seven, and so you know you're yeah. getting into the elevator, you're saying statement, you know, S E three, R E seven. Knight to E4 (laughs) King to D3 I would love to see this interaction (laughs) Well it's This is kind of a bit of plagiarism I heard a joke a long time ago About a man who's sent to prison And everyone, all the prisoners are sitting there in In the mess hall to eat the dinner And one person stands up and says E4 And everyone bursts out laughing And then he sits down And then another prisoner stands up and goes C7 and everyone just bursts out. Like people are falling off their chairs laughing. Mm-hmm. And then um, a th- another prisoner on a different table stands up and goes, G5. And everyone just bursts out. Like people, people are just throwing plates. In, it's just <laughs> chaos. It's just so... F- they're just laughing. They're funny. <laughs> so funny. Mm-hmm. And the, the new prisoner says to the guy next to him, hey, hey what's everyone doing? What, what does this mean? Ah, oh, we've all been in prison so long. That we we kept retelling the same jokes at lunch, so we just made code words for the jokes. For example, why the chicken crossed the road because because it felt like it is you know, D three. Mm-hmm. He goes, "Oh right, well I might have a go." And he gets up and he says, "H 4 and no one even blinks. They no one laughs. You could hear crickets. And he sits down and he says to the guy next to him, hey, what the hell, mate? I said the, the really funny joke. I said the code word. Why'd no one laugh? He says, it's not about the joke, mate. It's how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> I see a lot of people getting laid off, furloughed because of lockdowns, economic downturn. I, I, um, I said that word the other day. I said furloughed. And someone was like, you mean furlough? Imagine, I've like, honestly never heard the word before. So. Can you imagine being corrected about that, though? It, yeah. If, if, if you, you, you're like, really? After 40 years of this yeah. company <laughs> and i got three hungry kids at home and you're going to furlough me, boss? Yeah. <laughs> furlough, Brian. <laughs> um, but I just think oh, there's a group of terrible. people who need to go first. Okay. Get rid of IT. If you if you're a boss out there and That's fair. you're 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 looking up the portraits of all your employees and you, and their hungry children uh, who've gonna who gonna have to get pulled out of their local private school and you're wondering who do I furlough? Mm, it's a beautiful mm. way to say it out loud. Who do mm. I furlough? And you're enjoying this and you got a nice eighty four Merlot swilling around. You're going, which one am I going to get rid of? I suggest pick up the one who is in the IT department. Why the IT department? It's like, 
they never actually fix anything. This is what I've worked in. That's actually I, fair. I've yeah. had a job, all right, since 2016 in an office. Mm. And I can tell you whenever anything has gone wrong with a computer, if I ever ring up IT and say, hey, guys, oh, thank God you picked up. I've been working on this document for about seven hours and I haven't saved and the computer's just crashed. They go, all right, let's have a look at that. Yeah. Mm. So what's happened is the computer's crashed and you have (laughs) lost everything. And you go, you can't get it back? No, I'm afraid there's nothing we can do. And you go, oh, no. And then you walk back to your desk. Never once has something gone terribly wrong with my computer and I've gone, Mm -hmm. oh, no, I've lost my work. And they've gone, oh, Harry, yeah, just press control, caps lock, and then do a handstand. And then it comes back. (laughs) It's always, they always tell you what you already know. You Uh might as well, like, just come with the the lifeless body of your your, <laughs> go, your pet goldfish who you didn't feed for a couple of weeks and go, yeah. IT, the goldfish. And I go, oh, yeah, it's dead and stinks. You go, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I find that if you use, like, you use some sort of, like, computer lingo, then they they respond better to that. And I'm I'm thinking that maybe they'll solve my problem a little bit better if I call the blue cable that's plugging into my computer the Ethernet cable. Right, so you have to earn their respect before <laughs> yeah. they fix your problems. Pretty much. Imagine if I had to do that with the fire <laughs> <Yeah>. department. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank God you're here. Microwave, I, I put a kebab in the microwave <laughs> with, with um, tin foil. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Well, you good luck putting that out. <laughs> <laughs> when Noah's... Uh, okay, I had uh, a colleague a number of years ago who okay. got mental health first aid training. Right. And I knew he was a bit of a cynic like me. And I said, why do you want to go and get mental health first aid training? You're not interested in that kind of stuff. And he, mm. he gave me some very sage advice. He says, Harry, in bad times when uh, there's the flood and Noah, the boss, has to get two of every animal uh, onto the ark mm-hmm. you know, in the great flood mm-hmm. and, and two monkeys come along. No, sorry, three monkeys come along. Two have mental health first aid training. And one doesn't, which two monkeys get on the ark. And I said, all right, <laughs> sign right. me up. Sign me up. <laughs> I did actually join New Market Bocce Club really? uh, this week. Yeah, I went to I can't went say there I've heard uh, Finska's taken over from Bocce. Oh, no one has ever enjoyed yeah. Finska. People no. take it to picnics and it just sits there. <laughs> it's almost like a fashion accessory. It pretty you carry much the is, bag. but also I would say it's more fun than than bocce although you, you do have to um do a little bit of calculating there are only two bocce clubs in queensland one is yes. in redlands one is in brisbane okay the one in brisbane is one of the most exclusive clubs you'll ever find it's more exclusive <laughs> than the freaking berlin bergheim okay <laughs> there are 24 okay. members mm. well, you're most one of, them? of which only speak italian the the italian club was operational in Newmarket until about 07 when it went bust financially and then so a south korean international church took over the the clubhouse but <laughs> Newmarket bocce club have retained ownership of the shed out the back uh, so it's yeah. really weird so when i I, de- I just find it surprising that you know this as a person that's not from brisbane no it's because we- i played soccer for Newmarket soccer <laughs> okay. club okay and right. I'm, i remember seeing this really old street sign which has subsequently been removed because it was that old <laughs> okay. it actually was like you couldn't even read it anymore People, you know it looked like an artifact from the 1800s and it said Newmarket bocce club this way and that's what spiked and i was just curious i was always like what is bocce and i remember googling it and then i found it really really interesting that Newmarket bocce club didn't show up didn't, didn't have a website on google and it didn't it didn't have an entry on google maps i was like is this even real Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if like 4chan had gotten together and gone, let's pretend there's a bocce club in Newmarket and make Brisbane City Council put up a sign. Mm-hmm. Like a really like prehistoric sort of 4chan and like before there was the internet. Because mm. there's this street sign from like from the 80s. For, what did 4chan kind of people do before the internet? Did they just meet? They would meet with paper bags over their heads <laughs> in, 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 in dark corners of libraries <laughs> and just discuss how they're going to annoy people. But... <laughs> But so I had to email an organisation called Bocce Australia, which purports to represent all bocce clubs in Australia. Yes. And I asked them, look, I want to play bocce. Is there a bocce club in Brisbane? They said there's one, Newmarket Bocce Club, and here is the, e- the email of the club president. Mm-hmm. So I emailed him, friendliest dude ever. Really? He was like, dude, bring all your mates. Everyone needs to come to bocce club. I'm like, I thought this was like an <laughs> exclusive, like impregnable club. Right. But they just have no idea how to market them. They're, they're all... The youngest would be like 55, mm-hmm. yeah. I reckon. Yeah. And um, 
I would say that my intentions of going to the club were very, very, very bad. Yeah. My intentions were that I understood this would be the, the easiest sport to make nationals for. <laughs> and, and, and I stand by that. Uh. If there are two clubs in Queensland, mm-hmm. all you have to, like, it's quite simple to go to nationals. And if mm-hmm. they're all, like, 70, like, <laughs> the club person who, who toured me around and showed me how to play bocce was like, I, don't, I can't play bocce so well anymore. I, I'm missing, <laughs> missing three tendons in my shoulder. It's fun how his accents change from just before when he was inviting all your friends to come <laughs> to now. He was incredibly <laughs> schizophrenic. <laughs> when I said the club had 24 members, it was just this bloke yeah. <laughs> and his 24 voices. Um, bocce, <laughs> once you play bocce, yeah. you never stop. <laughs> yeah, he was very, very accommodating. But I went there to say, I'm just going to rock up, play some bocce, make nationals. Mm. I'm going to tell you, these 70-year-old blokes, they, 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 they dusted the floor with me, cleared a lane and all these disgruntled Italian men were like, oh, a bit... And you just come in with the schools. Uh. Well, mo- most interesting. I, I, so I said to this guy, I said to Mario, I said, Mario, do any of these guys speak English? And he said, ah, yes, but as a second language. But there is one guy who sometimes come, he's a skippy. And I said, uh, he's a what? He said, oh, sorry, are you offended? And I said, sorry, offended by what? He said, oh, he's a skippy, you know, like skippy the kangaroo. He was born in Australia. <laughs> And I was like, there's a word to describe people who are born in Australia. And so I think they retorted with, well, if I'm a wog, you're a skippy, bruv. Yep. And (laughs) now they're English. (laughs) Skippy. (laughs) Skippy, yeah. I actually met Skippy on on Wednesday. It actually kind of ruined the experience. He is the Skippy. Well, yeah, I hated Skippy because he... It was such an Italian experience. And then you had another boat there yeah. going, Yeah, so like, what do you think about bocce, eh? It's pretty good, eh? Go, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm it. not here for this, mate. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Didn't need it from you. Yeah, <laughs> it, w- it took away from the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so do you think it, he'll make nationals? Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. If I'm patient. Well, I immediately... Surely as as they I, would have died. As soon as I got there, before I even told them what my name was, they were like, hi, I'm Mario, how are you? I said, how, how do I get to nationals? And they said, <laughs> 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 what is my path, what is my road to nationals? I want to start filming the documentary now yeah. for Netflix. <laughs> and what's the kit like for a bocce player? You, you, you get a, a polo shirt. Yeah. And that's a clip design. That's what I'm the, in for. Yeah. Is it is it like the, the bowls ones where they have like... Um, the kookaburra like coming out of like there's three kookaburras like coming from the bottom left of the shirt and then there's maroon coming from the top you are sounding like such a skippy right now <laughs> that's what a skippy would say that's what a skippy would wear I mean, you, 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 gotta, you gotta understand here we're not dealing with skippies okay so the polo the shirt Italian design? it is the Italian national team soccer jersey with a collar <laughs> <laughs> with a collar okay. <laughs> seriously yeah. it is blue and white uh-huh. And the logo is like red and green. I think it's, have you it's Italian. Yourself the shirt? No, no. I, I think he said after the AGM I would get my shirt. Right. So I hope you go to the AGM and absolutely. I imagine that you would bring up points. That's in the questions. Started, that's when I start to take over. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. any questions about the financial records <laughs> yeah. here at the AGM about Newmarket Budget Club? Ah, yes, you said one question. <laughs> How do I How do get to nationals? nationals? <laughs> <laughs> so you can work your way up. The ranks. <laughs> <laughs> and just embezzle all of you Makabochi Club's funding. And then make nationals and then leave. And then there'll just be a bunch yeah. of 70 year old Italian retirees going, Harry, why? You damn skippy. You damn skippy. People are saying, you know, when, when, the, when the clubs close, people are fr- start freaking out. They go, okay, I need a lockdown, buddy. I can't just. There are people who are in denial about how single they were because theoretically every weekend is a new opportunity to meet someone, all right? Mm-hmm. So you can say, doesn't matter if you've been single for 26 years. You can go, well, I might just meet someone this weekend and then it's all over. As I, I, I've, I've got some friends who haven't had sex in a long time. I talked to a guy that he, his girlfriend broke up with him like, you know, like six years ago. And he's like, I haven't had sex since then. And I go, it's okay, mate, because as soon as you have sex, like 10 seconds after you have sex, like, dude, I had sex 10 seconds ago. Doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. So 
once you have sex, it doesn't matter how long it was before you had that sex. You just had sex. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Put on some Akon, have a good time. <laughs> uh, and um, so that, that, that's, what I, that's what I tell my friends. So mm-hmm. what, I, what I'm trying to say is when, if, you, if you've been single for a long time, you can theoretically go, when, in the, you know, when the clubs are up, you go, oh, I'll just meet someone this weekend. Don't worry about it. But then all of a sudden when you realize, oh, my God, there is no this weekend to go to a club. Yeah, there is no clubs. next and month to go to a club. Before that. The flying cock was closed down, so I don't know where. Oh you were going. yeah, yeah, but a club is a club is a club is a club. <laughs> <laughs> Just get a dark room with no windows, turn up some loud music, and put in a few European backpackers who get a bit touchy feely after a couple of rum and cokes, and you've got a club. Um, what I'm trying to say is, a lot of people said, "Oh my god, need a lockdown buddy now." I was sort of like, what's the difference? With a lo- like a, they're like, oh, lockdown buddy, someone to lock down with. I'm like, what's the difference? I mean, when you get a boyfriend and girlfriend, when you do freaking lockdown, you don't see your family and friends anymore. I mean, the only difference here is that it's a, there's a lockdown and then now you want to find love. You literally can't go. Mm. When things are in normal times, you find the love and then you lock down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just reversing things. Oh, we're locked down, find love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come to you the didn't... barbecue. Oh, I can't, man. Sandra's got a sore tummy. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, what, what are you doing to fix the sore tummy? Ah, uh, nothing I can do, man. <laughs> She's taking some tablets. Hope she'll, hopefully she'll be all right. So why can't you just come to the barbecue? No, dude, as I said, Sandra's got a sore tummy. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Triple threat? Yeah. You get to go to the hinge, you got the bum, you got the tinder. Okay. He right. was a triple threat. And, and I said, oh, easy there, tiger. All right. Yeah. I recommend to any friend a two-month cooling-off period after a relationship ends. So just sort of get back to finding yourself again and then Mm -hmm. putting yourself back out there. Mm -hmm. And he was like, nah. And then he said, quote, unquote, and I think this should be on T-shirts, all right? Um, He said... Gotta chase all leads, no matter the. Pro- <laughs> <laughs> Gotta chase all leads, no Is matter he the, the real possibility. Real agent guy. <laughs> Gotta chase all leads, no matter the possibility, Lucinda. Wow. And so, this is how this is how worried I was about him. I thought uh-huh. I was gonna make him a playlist of oh. bre- of breakup songs. Oh, that's no, magical. Um, uh, all Saints, never ever. You know, stuff like this. Yeah. Um, no one's gonna love you, Band of Horses. Stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, Out of Tears, Rolling Stones. Oh, say yeah. no more. And. And I said, so I called him up and said, I mean, how are you? How are you? Oh, and he's <laughs> checking in. Oh, pet, oh, love. Oh, <laughs> Dal. Yeah. And he says, yeah, pretty good. Been on three dates in a row. Took all of them home. Wow. He did a triple threat and then he done a hat trick, yep. so to speak. <laughs> Probably the most misogynist, misogynist sentence I've ever said on this show. And that's saying something. <laughs> but um, he had slept with three different women. In a row. Jesus. I'm not sure if that helps with a breakup. I'm not sure no. if it would. No, I'm not sure I if it would. Think it would. And then this is, they don't need to listen This to. is a truism about all dating mm. advice. Mm-hmm. You can hear the best dating advice you'll ever hear in your life, but you won't follow it. Mm. And that's how it works. I was there not just the other day. A young boy on the New South Wales border kicking a soccer ball. Ball rolls over the line. He reaches over with one hand to, to grab it, and I saw Gordon Tallis literally spear tackle a five-year-old boy. No one is crossing that border, five years old or otherwise. Uh, we have Mark Schwarzer, former Australian Socceroo goalkeeper, on that line. If you're even playing with a ball, playing handball near the Queensland New South Wales border, Mark Schwarzer will do everything in his powers to keep your ball out of Queensland. We need. As many New South Wales people moving objects, ball sports, we need to keep them out of our state. It's going to keep us safe. We, we've heard a lot about you New South Wales people in the news. We know exactly what's going on. You are a bunch of perverts. You are thieves. And worst of all, you are adulterers. And you will not be entering our state anytime soon. Uh, we have elderly seaside populations in Queensland who are very frightened of New South Wales people. They come up wearing their boat shoes, their lovely Ralph Lauren polo shirts. How is that economy so good down there? God, you guys live very comfortably. But we don't want you up here. We got chiseled hands. Another day, another blister up here in Brizzy. All right? We work hard. We dig holes. We dig holes in the earth. We extract coal. No matter how many times I wash my face with this Garnier soap, I cannot get the coal out of my pores. The last thing I need is some yacht-owning eastern suburban Sydney-sider coming up here for his holiday at Noosa, stealing my girls. No, sirree. We're going to keep that border shut. We're going to build a wall. 
And you know what we're going to build that wall out of? We're going to build it out of coal. Uh, and that, that'll be the first coal we won't be burning in this state. It's coronavirus. Hope you're all surviving out there. You haven't succumbed to the virus. The virus that's so deadly, you might not even know you have it. I, I think it is time that we do acknowledge that a lot of the lockdown is to help protect our vulnerable and elderly population. I think most people would have vulnerable and elderly people that they are, are dear to them and near to them. Hopefully not too near to them. Hopefully 1.5 metres away. But it's important we acknowledge that we're really doing this for them. I think it's important that the, the elderly and the vulnerable do acknowledge and just say, I think they should say thank you. I think to, to young people, especially who don't have any underlying issue, health issues, I think that we need a little bit of thanks. And we saw earlier on in the year, was it, there was a big concert put on at, uh, in Sydney to, to thank the firefighters, the rural fire service and uh, firefighters in general for all their uh, brave work during the bushfire season. And it was our way of saying thanks. I think what needs to happen around September 30 is the elderly and the vulnerable need to put on a concert for us, young uh, people with no underlying health issues. And I, you know, I'd like to see maybe the Rolling Stones there, uh, Billy Joel, um, Cliff Richard. Is Cliff Richard still alive? I'm just going to do the quickest Google. If you find a quicker Google and I will beat you by 10%. Cliff Richard, he's still alive. Yeah, born 1940. This guy is, yeah, he's 79. So, for example, Cliff Richard needs to perform. Like, it's his way of saying thank you. Like, you guys, you, you're locked down and it saved me. I think it's, it's important that Cliff personally says thank you. In fact, I'm not going off air tonight until I get a thank you message from Cliff. A, a tweet will be, will be fine, but... This is serious. I'm actually so serious. Cliff personally needs to say thank you. On behalf of all elderly and vulnerable, I think we should get a campaign. See, this is the powerful thing about Twitter. We can get a hashtag going, just like people did for, for, you know, stay home, save lives. That was the UK thing, right? Stay home, save lives. I think we need to get one that just goes, Cliff Richard, say thanks. And then, so he'll wake up. Obviously, he's probably living in Britain. And... Meanwhile, overnight in Australia, this tweet, this hashtag has blown up. Cliff Richard, say thanks. Hashtag Cliff Richard, say thanks. And he's going to wake up in, in UK, call his agent and be like, what is going on in Australia? We got Cliff Richard, he's trending. What is happening? Coronavirus. We got Cliff Richard trending. What has he done? Has he, has he said something offensive? And it's just like, no, dude, we locked down for you. And on behalf of all elderly and vulnerable people, Cliff, we need to thank you. We need a card. We need a card, and it needs to be addressed to all young people with no underlying health issues. And I'm looking forward to the concept to, to say thank you that the elderly and vulnerable people are going to perform for us, and all the young people with no underlying health issues are going to be in the crowd, really dancing up a storm, <laughs> listening to the Rolling Stones, David Essex and Cliff Richard. Having the NRL back was a little bit like the, having the Queen still alive. You know, it's, it's just nice to know that they're there, but it probably doesn't matter that much for me. I mean, if the Queen died, I'd be like, no! She's dead? Yeah, mate, you just re reversed straight out of your driveway. I cannot believe you didn't see the procession, but you proper cleaned her up. Ah, oh, I can't believe this. She's dead. The Queen, no. No, she was... She was... To me, she was like the Queen, man. She was like a Queen to me. And for our Japanese-speaking listeners, that number is 0420-626-733. Sorry, I don't speak Japanese. Tried crocodile for the first time uh, in, in, the in the Northern Territory. And they go, here's crocodile. And everyone's like, ooh, it's like making a bit of a joke about it. And I said, no, this is actually so serious, all right? If people really get into crocodile meat and it's like, we love crocodile meat, we need more of this, then they'll f kill these crocodiles. Crocodiles are an enemy of the of of the civilization. They literally eat people. Alligators don't eat people. I'm cool, alligators. 
if there's anyone out there and reach out if you're on board with this idea, but just really sneakily replacing crocodiles in the Northern Territory and North Queensland with alligators. I don't think that the environmentalist organisations will notice if we do it really quickly. Just swap them out. Um, and then I don't know what we do with the crocodiles. We have to eat them. We just have to eat them. Because I think the meat doesn't taste that great, okay? But I really enjoyed it because I was like, by eating this, I'm contributing to the practice of killing crocodiles for human consumption. And that was a really rewarding feeling. Um, I want to buy crocodile purses. I don't need a purse, but I want one. Just so it contributes to crocodiles being killed. Because here's the thing, guys. If crocodiles were people, they would be deemed terrorists. Like swamps, those swamps of crocodiles that hang out in the North Queensland, they would be deemed terrorist organizations and we would do something about it but somehow because they're an animal they have different rights that's not okay like we went on a boat ride when i was last in north queensland you go through a boat and they go we're going to show you the crocodile swamps and they just stare at you these things are creepy so they're perverts too you hear that guys crocodiles terrorists and perverts we've got to eat them okay i swear to god if the next flu that comes out of china I, if, if it comes from a crocodile, if we're talking croc flu, I'm going to be livid. I, they'll be recycling the clip from this radio show going, oh my God, Harry Lee predicted this seven years ago, the croc flu, and I'll be lauded as like the Bill Gates of my generation. And so there'll be blokes wearing tinfoil hats somewhere in uh, southwest America um, saying that, I, I want to thin the herd or something. Um, no, I'm going to put myself on record here. So I don't want to thin the human herd, but I do want to thin the croc herd, if you hear what I'm saying. Um, crocs, nay. Humans, yay. All right, I hope that clears up the matter for those people who are trying to quote me in seven years' time. If you ever, ever have the option of eating crocodile at any restaurant, cafe, or... If you just find some in the freezer at home and wonder how long that's been there for, um, maybe that was from the homeowners before you, the family who couldn't re- afford the repayments during coronavirus because their small business got shut down and they're out in the street and they're saying, can we please just have our photo albums and my wedding dress and the frozen crock meat in the freezer and you say, uh, I'm afraid all that I can give you is the recycling bin. Um, empty it and give it back. Uh, that, and then you change your LinkedIn status to property developer. Really important you do that, guys. Um, so I would urge you to order the crocodile and eat as much as you can. Have you guys ever thought uh, that maybe coronavirus was not something that came from nature, but something that came from God? God punishing us for something. A lot of people are saying, oh, it's because we're making human clones in laboratories in the Middle East. You know, this is God punishing us. This is, it's because of climate change. God's saying, wake up, guys. Virus is here until you fix climate change. And I'm serious about this. Imagine if you went to church you went to, and you prayed and you said, God, you know, wh- why, have you given, why have you made coronavirus? And then he actually replied. Imagine that. <laughs> what are you praying? God, God, why have you done this? And he was like, I've done this for one very big, important reason, okay? All right? And I'm not going to take away this virus until you fi- until you stop doing this. Freaking furious. All right? And I can swear, because I'm God. You do as I say, not what as I do. Okay? <laughs> do as I say, not, not as I do. Imagine that. Imagine meeting God, and he, w- and he was just the biggest sinner. God's just like, yeah, 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 nice to meet you. Hey, you know any good strip clubs around here? You're like, God, what? <laughs> you can't do that. Uh, I can do it. Just you can't. I make the rules, bro. Imagine that. <laughs> do as I say, not what as I do. I mean, he's, I'm angry at you for one very big important reason, and I am not going to take away this virus until you fix this. I mean, oh, my God. Is it, is it, the, having, is it the having sex with uh, wild animals? Is it, is it the cloning of humans in the Middle East? He goes, no, 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 no. Stop calling bolognese with fettuccine pasta spag bowl all right spaghetti is a type of pasta okay if you're using fettuccine then it's not spaghetti it's fettuccine bowl all right fet bowl you can't call penne bolognese spag bowl mate all right i know you aussie blokes like to just casually refer to anything 
any type of pasta with bolognese. In fact, anything with bolognese. You could pour bolognese sauce into a Doc Martin boot and call it, hey, mate, want some spag bowl? It's not spag. It's a boot. It's boot bowl. And if you're putting it with penne, it's pen bowl. If it was with fettuccine, it's fet bowl. All right? So you can't abbreviate anything with bolognese to spag bowl. I'm furious. Here at Fortune Wilson, we are taking um, the maximum precautions for coronavirus. Now, there are uh, safe precautions, there are necessary precautions, and we are taking maximum. This is a new level. So if you are list- if you're feeling a little bit sick today and you're, and, uh, and you're listening, please don't listen. If you are feeling unwell, please do not listen to the radio. Um, a nice day for a white wedding today. If you like rainy, windy weddings, I do have a side gig as a, uh, as a marriage celebrant. I, I do believe in love. I believe, I believe in the higher power, all right? Um, the Holy Spirit of love between a man and a really fit bird. And uh, th- this, this lady rings me up last night. She's found my number somewhere on the, on the database. And she said, look, this is really urgent. We need to get married as soon as possible. And I'm like, wow, you guys must be really, really in love. And she says, no, it's a permanent residency thing. And I said, okay, you must really, really love living in Australia. I haven't heard them for a number of years, so we can't exactly blame the, the coronavirus for this one. But they're a band called Rolls Bass. The last time I saw the lead singer, he was working at a bottle shop. And I said, hey, man, when are Rolls Bass getting back together? And he said, what's Rolls Bass? And I said, you're the lead singer from Rolls Bass. And he said, I am not the lead singer from Rolls Bass. So I, have no, I actually don't know when they're getting back together, but I hope it's very soon. I might have to go back to that bottle and ask. Someone was telling me there was a Powderfinger documentary and where, where Miff, sort of, they're, they're breaking up. It's just as the band is disbanding. They're breaking up. And so Miff Warhurst, and that music journalist lady, she um, is talking with the band and is going, is just running them over their career highlights. And I thought that was just such a funny idea. Um, and it'd be quite awkward if you applied that same sort of, Routine to like a, an actual relationship breakup. Miff Warhurst rocks up to uh, Corbett and Claude Pizzeria, where you're with your there with you and your partner, and you've just told her it's over. And Miff Warhurst pulls up a chair. Do you mind if I sit here and just run you over your relationship highlights? There was that fantastic uh, second anniversary dinner when you were on holiday in Broome, and you go, oh, that was actually awesome. Because what if Powderfinger was sitting there, yeah, hey, guys, come in, film a documentary, it's our farewell tour, and she runs them over the career highlights, and they go, actually, that was a really good time, and that was a good time too. And like, guys, why are we doing this? Why are we breaking up? Let's just kick out the drummer. Yeah, Miff Warhurst pulls up a chair during the live breakup and just runs you through the highlights. What about Christmas? Christmas 2012, um where you met the family for the first time. Yeah, that was actually a lot of fun. Your dad, he's such a military dad. I mean, yeah, I mean, he is a general. Yeah, he is. A, he is. He was, he was very... And did you realise what you're walking away from here? Miff Warhurst, she's bringing up these happy memories. That, don't you feel it again? Don't you feel it in your stomach? Don't you feel it there? And you go, actually, you are right, but I feel it for Miff. i got to tell you, Miff, you're looking amazing tonight. And then Miff steals your guy. Miff literally shows up to your breakup and not only is there a live breakup, there's a live boyfriend steal. Miff Warhurst, from under your nose, snatches your boyfriend. She's, she's come in, she's meant to remind you of the good times, run you through the relationship highlights, but instead she's sort of colouring them in a bad way and you're wondering, why is she doing this? She's got eyes for your man. She's saying, hmm, remember Issa 2013? Yeah, that wasn't very good. Yeah, it was stormy. Don't you think that was an omen? It's like the relationship was doomed. Hey, remember when you wanted to get those fantastic croissants, but then he slept in, and then you went there, and they were sold out, and you were so angry, and then he was upset because you were angry? Um, and then you're like, Miff, why are you doing this? We're trying to have an enjoyable breakup lunch, all right? I'm trying to enjoy this pizza, trying to enjoy this breakup, and then you're showing up, and you're trying to steal my man. Um, can I just have him for an extra 10 minutes before the breakup is complete? And Miff is like, no, nah, I'm not even letting you break up with him. I'm stealing your boyfriend, and you will never, ever get to break up with him. He'll be mine 
forever. And then so you're in this weird sort of complex legal position where technically you haven't broken up with your girlfriend, but you are now wedded to Miff. And so when anyone asks about your ex-girlfriend, you know, they say, how's Sarah? You're going, well, she's going well. Technically, we're still dating because we haven't formally broken up yet. See, Miff came along when, when I was in the middle of doing it and I didn't get to sign off. There was no, we didn't settle the deal. We didn't handshake, all right? So it's not formalized, but I'm actually married to Miff now and she's great. I think you're going to love Miff. And then Miff shows up and sees your friend and goes, ooh, I like him too. And then uh, all of a sudden, you're breaking up with Miff because Miff likes your friend. And then Miff is running you through the career highlights. And it feels not very good to be on the other side of this arrangement. Miff is breaking up with you and simultaneously going through your relationship highlights. Remember that time back in 2020 when I showed up to your breakup and I met you at that Corbett and Claude restaurant and and I, we fell in love and I stole you from your girlfriend? And then the great part about that is when Miff leaves you, having stolen you from the where she found you, which is during a live breakup that is still incomplete, you can go back to that girlfriend because technically you haven't broken up yet. So you're finding her approximately 20 years later. She's got three kids. She's married. She lives in New Zealand. And you're showing up going, remember me? Um, Miff stole you stole me from you when I was trying to break up with you. So we're not actually broken up. And she goes, ah. Oh, Damn it. And the, the husband's there going, why didn't you tell me you weren't broken up with this guy? So our marriage is null and void. And then you have to get a team of 10 family lawyers to come in and figure out who's dating who, who's married to who, whose children they are, all right? And the, the family lawyers are so expensive. There's 10 of them. They drive up costs into the seven figures. You have to sell your children in the black market just to pay the lawyers' fees, Okay. You're living in Auckland, New Zealand, most expensive housing in the world. Now you're living under a bridge. And even then, it costs more than the average salary in Auckland. There are, there are CEOs showing up going, hey, this is where I sleep, next to the trolley under that bridge. You, that's not your spot. This is awful. And it all goes back to because you were about to break up with someone and Miff Warhurst came along thinking it was some powder finger documentary about a breaking up of the band. She's gotten confused, thought she had to make a documentary about breaking up a relationship. She's shown up at a pizzeria, okay, and stolen the boyfriend before the relationship was safely concluded. These are the dangers of... These are the dangers of leaving your house. Uh, Remain indoors at all times. And I went to the pub for the first time in bloody two months... On uh, last Friday, I went to uh, Rick's, okay? Everyone was stinging for their first pint since the lockdowns. And we got in and and everyone else got a pale ale. I said, look, I've had one thing on my mind for the last two months, and that is a nice cold pint of 4X gold. And that is, in some ways, a misuse of the word nice. And I I, I knew how weird coronavirus had got. This is when um, the absolute peak of weirdness was that I was getting table service at Rick's Bar in the in the back, the, the former car park with a laid AstroTurf and put in a clothesline, um, getting table service back there by a guy in a hoodie. I've got to tell you, something was dreadfully, dreadfully wrong. I think this 4X gold was literally expired by about five years. It tasted like a cross between foot and vomit and like someone had stepped in vomit and then the the good people at 4x had gone into the lab and recreated that flavor and put it and then injected that artificial flavoring into the beer um and i so i was like okay this is expired this is i, I know at the best of times 4x gold is not that delicious people make fun of it but i knew in the best of times it tastes this bad something was dreadfully dreadfully wrong but i thought you know what this bar has been closed for two months, okay? They have been losing money every day. They finally open up for the first time and a bloke comes in, orders a Forex Golden and within 10 minutes goes, um, sorry, this one just tastes a little bit weird. And especially like, uh, I mean, of, for, of all beers to go, um, this Forex Gold doesn't taste that great. So 
I just slowly drank this thing. It tasted so awful. As I said, it tasted like like a foot that had stepped in vomit, and I was like sucking on the foot. Every time I put that pint to my lips, I was sucking on that foot. For those people with particular fetishes who are listening tonight, maybe I'm getting a bit hot and bothered, and you're in the first Uber to Rick's as we speak um, to get a, a nice cold glass of expired Forex gold. But I'm going to tell you, yeah, as I said, I, I just gave them a free pass there. I said, look, this is quite, everyone is doing it tough. It's not the time to be going, um, sorry, um, this is not quite good. If, you know, if it gets you drunk, if you shit yourself in a taxi home, then you know you've had a good night and you know that the, the beer has worked. So no complaints from my end. Um, I, don't, I, I miss restaurants in the sense that they make you feel like a celebrity. They always ask you how things are going. Um, it's that care and attention that perhaps I need back in my life. And I think we all need to feel like that from time to time. But then you, you leave and then you're out in the street waiting for your Uber and he's in the wrong lane and he gives you an angry call and you snap back to reality very, very quickly. People, people ask me, oh, you're going to go on a second date? And I tell them, oh, uh, i got to tell you, I only go on first dates i'm afraid um not by my own choosing um completely involuntary but yeah i only go on first dates uh but yeah it, it, it's there's, there's something to be said for not going on many first dates you, you do you run out of gas after a little while you sort of if you're only going on first dates you start retelling the same stories over and over again because people be like, all right, so how long have you lived in Brisbane? They're standard questions. And that's why um, there is something to be said for falling in love and, and being in a relationship because you you discover more and more. But then there is an expiry point to that probably too, you know, where you've actually told every story you could possibly tell. And that's when you start again. And that's probably about a 10-year period, I think. Ten year, after 10 years, you'd be like, now I know this person entirely. There's nothing left to know. And so you go, well, let's go fall in love with someone else and do it all over again. And by that point, you've actually forgotten what it was like to tell all those stories at the beginning. And so I reckon we hear these things, oh, Generation Y will end up having, you know, our parents had one or two careers. We'll end up having, you know, 10 careers. And I think the same goes for relationships. I think we will uh, end up having... 10 marriages. And frankly, I'm excited. If you look at the charts on any particular day at any particular time, I think you'll find the vast majority of popular music will say 99% of popular music hit songs speak to about 1% of your experiences. How many songs are there about, I don't know, finding love on the dance floor of a nightclub? How often does that even bloody happen? Okay, I like to party. I might find myself in less strange times on the dance floor of a nightclub on a Saturday night or Friday night, and, and that's an and-or. Um, but finding love on that dance floor is a very different and much more strange experience. Uh, so... In some respects, music is, I mean, like reading a good book or going to a good restaurant, popular music is powerful in the sense that it is escapism. You can listen to it and sort of be distracted from the more mundane issues you have in your life or maybe that you're dealing with at that particular time. If you're a surgeon and you're about to perform a triple bypass surgery and you're a bit stressed, you can just, in that moment, as you're slicing up in the person's chest, put on a bit of Bee Gees and... Uh, just dream about the beautiful shorelines of Redcliffe where the Bee Gees were born and spent the first six hours of their lives before moving to England um, and coming back a few decades later to commemorate the opening of a statue of them all on uh, and, and somewhere in Redcliffe. Um, that they, they, very, they, they cherish very, very much. In fact, they often look it up on Google Street View from their houses uh, in America and they go, that's my statue. That's great. I um, hope they're looking after it down there. Um, but, yes. So, I think we need more music that does actually speak to just, well, regular activities because we shouldn't... I think more and more people are finding their everyday tasks are boring, but they shouldn't... They're not boring. That's just normal, okay? Uh, changing a nappy is not boring. It's just life. And... Uh, not every single hour of the day is going to be a party. And so rather than looking negatively upon things that are just normal and actually 
rather than viewing things that are positive as being positive and not normal, okay? Um, for example, we're all expected to be happy all the time now to, to, to the extent that when people aren't happy, they're then sad because they're not happy, which makes them even more sad. So it's very important to remember that being happy is not normal. It's it's good and then there's normal and then sad is sad. And so, you know, don't get your normals mixed up with your, your goods and don't get your, your bad mixed up with your normal, so to speak. It's uh, again rather convoluted. Um, look, what I'm trying to say is we need more songs about changing nappies. I think that's the takeaway. More songs about changing nappies because that is what you'll be doing in life. And there's no problem with that. That's life. So in, in this particular part of the story, uh, the, the character is reminiscing about uh, this, this lady that he loved. And the lady um, actually went to a church in Cannon Hill, uh, near Murray, actually. It, it's next to the Gateway Bridge. It's called Gateway Church. And so that's that's probably the background. This church does exist. You should look it up. It's quite interesting that a church is named after a bridge. A church that is about a religion that has existed for thousands of years is is named after a bridge that was built some point in the 20th century. But look, we won't get into the, we won't get bogged down in the details. Bridget was from an eclectic family, but not in a, in an adorable way. Her brother was a couple of years below us in college, and Bridget brought him along to one of our older student parties, in the same way that the English Football League introduced VAR for one season, so that we would never ask for it again. He was pale and skinny with flaming red hair and a crippling video game addiction. And he often spoke incessantly about local girls who he wanted to sleep with, like a limbless man talking about all the triathlons he wants to compete in. Her parents attended a new church near the Gateway Bridge in Murray called the Gateway Church. If I wasn't cynical enough to duly think that this church was merely set up as a tax loophole for a savvy and persuasive equity fund manager slash part-time African-American pastor impersonator, then I presume followers of the Gateway Church denomination strongly believe despite weighty evidence to the contrary, that Jesus once visited a milk bar in Murray after his resurrection and presumably used the Gateway Bridge to get there. Perhaps, according to the followers of the Gateway Church, that Jesus had, in doing so, skipped the automatic toll sensors on the Gateway Bridge and therefore Gateway Church was subsequently set up by the incensed and probably Jewish public servants as a, as a rouge to lure Jesus back to Murray in order to pay his toll fee with interest at CPI calculated over a 2,000-year period and thereby stimulate the local economy of the Cannon Hill, Murray area, whose once thriving manufacturing industries God had failed to save. Perhaps when members of the Gateway Church speak of Judgment Day, they are referring not to our judgment, the people, but that of Jesus, who they hope will be finally summoned for an appearance in Holland Park Magistrates Court to explain why he shouldn't be fined for toll evasion and a string of other offences, such as insurance fraud affected by faking one's own death. And perhaps Gateway Church followers also believe in the all those parables in the New Testament about Jesus forgiving everyone, washing peasants' feet, and telling he who hasn't sinned to cast the first stone was just an elaborate way of building a persuasive case for the magistrate to exercise their discretion to waive the fine on Jesus' judgment day in Holland Park Magistrates' Court. These were questions I had, but unfortunately I would never get to meet Bridget's parents to ask them. I'm sorry about your horse, I said, after I greeted Bridget with a warm hug that I hoped came across as sincere so as to increase the likelihood of being able to sleep with her later. So, this is a bit of a background. Um, as this man is reflecting on the love of his life, um, it, he remembers that uh, her she had a pet horse and they were carting the horse uh, in, the, in a trailer and there was an accident. As the car was turning a corner, a car hit the trailer and the horse died. So I thought um, I should probably have given you a little bit of, of background there about the horse. Okay, so so then he says to the lady, I'm sorry about the horse. And then um, 
And then he says, I'm sorry about the horse. And then Bridget says, why? Was it you driving the truck that crashed into my dad's trailer? I laughed, but also felt like only Bridget had licence to, and she instantly stopped laughing, just as if I had joined in with an angsty teenage friend and calling their own mum a bitch. You're being very strong about it, I consoled. Bridget flashed me a look that showed she, she saw straight through my attempt to be heartfelt and understanding, as if I was Dr Phil, having the result of a pregnancy test announced live on television. I thought it would be cathartic to hang around Paul, an old college friend who I knew had been the victim of a recent breakup. I approached him eagerly, hoping for my bad news to be trumped by his bad news. I wanted heart-wrenching stories of Paul tugging at his girlfriend's jeans and sobbing, crawling through a puddle of his own mucus that pulled that poured from his distraught nostrils and pleading, I'll transfer any amount of money if you stay with me um, and don't break up with me. So uh, the man walks over and he said, Paul, my man. I greeted him with a hug that lingered long enough to let him know I was here for not only tea but also sympathy. G'day, Nico. So, so the character's name is Nico. Um, I, was so, I was sorry to hear about you and Carrie because obviously Paul and Carrie have broken up. And, and Paul says, so was I. She never said why she was leaving. She just got really angry at me for sleeping with other women and then just left. You, uh, you haven't called her to ask why, Paul? I've tried calling her, but all I reach is a personalised message bank greeting saying, Hi, Paul, it's Carrie. I don't listen to the rest because I don't intend on leaving some voicemail she'll never reply to. Uh, a personalised message bank greeting, Paul? Yeah, yeah, I hear all the new, the newer phones have them. And she changes them a lot too. Sometimes it starts with, Paul, it's me, Carrie. Or, Paul, thank God you called. Ah, oh, it's just a voicemail. Uh, Paul, are you sure it's a voicemail? Of course. Worst of all, she's returning all the gifts I gave her. They turn up about one every, every week. You know, Rewrapped with a bow and a card saying, take me back. Ah, just take the gifts back. I must have been a terrible boyfriend because I can't even remember giving her most of things. And most of them are guy stuff like a Broncos jersey or beef jerky. Paul, are you sure she's not sending gifts for you? Why would she be doing that if she's not even answering my calls? Paul began to sob and I... And also, I need to tell you all about the brand new exfoliant that I've been using. It's part of my 37-step evening um, beauty regime. It's how I keep my skin down to, at a maximum, 14 zits. And it's called the Bondi Orange Exfoliant. So these are using oranges grown from orange trees on Bondi Beach. A lot of people come to me, they say, Harry... Um, why aren't you wearing trousers? It's the workplace. And then other times they come up to me and say, Harry, you trying to tell me there are orange trees on Bondi Beach? And that's what I'm saying. I'm also asking you, do not check this. Please, buy the product first and then check. But do not check before buying the product. I'm telling you, there are orange trees on Bondi Beach that grow these oranges. Now, to make this brilliant new exfoliant, what, you, what they do is they freeze the oranges. I'm talking frozen oranges. And then on the way home from the abattoir, you swing past David Jones. You pick up some of this um, frozen orange exfoliant, okay? It's frozen slices of orange. You just rub them on your face. Rub them really hard. Or the lovely... Uh, acids from the orange, you just leave them on there long enough in the sun, they will peel away at least four layers of skin. So any zit that you do have will fall off, literally fall off your face. It, it just simply works. Lara Bingle uses this product and she, she died. She freaking died. Better perfume, okay, and then orange, except for one perfume. There's one perfume that is better, and that is Eau de Homeless. The Eau de Homeless. The, the beautiful thing about the Eau de Homeless, and it, 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 it's, it's a scent that uh, you simply spray on. It's a bit, it smells a bit like soggy cigarette. And so you can ask people for money, and they won't assume that you have a job. So if you have it, you're employed in this. You don't have a go-card and you need money for the bus. And so you go up to someone and you, you walk up in your suit and tie and you go, can't borrow some money. They look at you and go, you got a job, you're wearing a suit. 
I'm not giving my money, bro. Even if you do need to get home to your wife and kids on the bus. So what you do is you simply spray a bit of that oud homeless. Okay, you smell a bit like soggy cigarette. You go up and you say, "Excuse me, can I borrow some money?" They go, "Oh, the poor man, he smells." There's some money, and so that's the beautiful thing. It's the number one selling fragrance during coronavirus. I mean, if you're there to protest about something that someone else is so, uh, protesting about as well, you already have one thing in common. You're going to make friends at a, at a protest. People try all their life on eHarmony, Tinder. They go, to, they go to ballroom dancing lessons to find someone who's got something in common with them who they can look. And people will say, oh, I mean, this is a great way to make friends. You're looking to have... You are trying to find someone to have sex with. Be honest, okay? You're not going to learn French at some school down in West End, Brisbane, so so that you can get in touch with French culture. You're there to get laid, uh, either literally in the classroom uh, or afterwards using your French language. It's time that we be honest with each other. So I think if you are single and you're sick of it, then going to a protest is your number one bet. Um Find find someone with dreadlocks just as long as yours and and do not waste a minute in following them on Twitter and reposting everything. And I mean everything. Uh, so, But a lot of people giving their two cents on Facebook. Go, they, people think that they're giving the Gettysburg address or something like that. And, and they speak in these very, you know, you got some white girl. She'll go, she'll go on Facebook and she'll say, it's really important that we listen to our Indigenous Australians, that we listen to um, the oppressed people. And it's like, okay, maybe I would be listening to them if you weren't talking, mate. Like, they come out and they have these really fluffy speeches. You know how sometimes when you go for a job interview or something like that and you realize that you actually never did anything at your last job and they say, so no, t- talk to me about your experience at the, que- at the Department of Education in Queensland. Oh, yeah. Um, so we liaised with external stakeholders a lot. And like, what, do you, what are you actually saying? Sorry, what, who are the stakeholders? And how did you liaise? It's like, okay, sorry. I, I spoke to the barista a little bit when I got my morning coffee, okay? Um, and, and so they, they'll say things like, oh, we need to use our minds and our hearts to speak with one voice so we can take a stand and change the system. Like, a bit more specificity, please. I mean, w- what in particular? I mean... I, I think that uh, it's, it's, it's cathartic to, to express feelings. But sometimes if your words aren't going to say anything specific, if they just fluff, then why even bother with words? You can express an emotion w- with, with voice. Without actually, you can just go... Aah! Aah! And that feels good. i got to tell you, that felt good. From my perspective, doing that felt awesome. Um, I was actually talking with a, a, a friend the other day. I said, "What?" <laughs> I said, "You know, listenership is down. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. So, what's the? Uh, how do I market myself more? How do I put myself out there more?" And then he said, "Maybe people have heard it and they just don't like it." And then we pause, and then we both just start bursting out laughing. We said, "That is not it." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 